Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Anything But Typical podcast featuring the Anything But Typical, Tori Wood. I can't wait to hear more of his story. He has been such a gracious, passionate guy who loves helping companies start up and grow. And uh, that's a that's a similar passion to that both Ben and I have, as well as the folks at, at BGW that we joined actually a number of years ago now for me. But um, Tori, before we start unpacking more of your story, we'll start with this heartbeat question. And so I got the, the hard part for me is to determine, are you walking to from the parking lot in a new city because you're at a baseball tournament with your 17 year old, or are you walking from the parking lot to one of the Y's or one of the venues for your seven-year-old soccer <laughs> games? But it's one of those. Right, <laughs> so right. I'm just going to say, hey, uh, that is happening. You are walking from the car to one of those fields. Right. Somebody over, they see you. Hey, that's Tori and his team. And they start talking about you, not realizing you've got fantastic ears and you are able to hear everything that they said about you. What is it that you would like somebody to be saying about Tory Wood? Well, I, I would, uh, you know, like to hope that they would say that I, I have a, a really big heart. Um, I love hard. I'm a big advocate for my family, my friends, my uh, the, the the business community. Um, I'm always willing to uh, lend a helping hand whenever I can. And, uh, you know, I, I feel that I succeed when I help others succeed. You know, I love to see people be successful in, in uh, pursuing their passions in, in life. And uh, for me, I chose, uh, you know, uh, financial services um, to because I feel that small business is the backbone of the country, which it is. Um, and. You know, I feel that the, the true uh, uh, nature of financial freedom is to own your own business. And I, and I want to see people, you know, start their own business, uh, grow their business and, uh, you know, have the, uh, provide those resources for their family, their friends and just help others, uh, you know, be successful as well. So I like to, you know, help people, help my family, uh, you know, help anyone that is passionate about starting a business and, you uh, Listen, that they have, I have a really uh, great heart. That's been my experience with you too, Tori. So um, thank you. That's why you're on here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for those of you that do not know Tori Wood yet, Tori is the founder and CEO of M&A Financing Services. He's also a board member of the nonprofit Private Directors Association. And we're going to get into both of those and a whole lot more. But Tori, where I want to start is you had a career in corporate America before going into entrepreneurship and, and, and founding a, a company. Talk about your experience before M&A financing. Sure. So uh, back in 2008, I started my uh, uh, banking career at uh, Bank of America. Um, you know, started in the you know, collections department. Uh, I was located in Norfolk, Virginia. So I worked there for about a year and a half. Uh, you know, with the hopes of becoming a corporate banker. Um, that's my reason for applying, um, you know, to the bank in the first place. And uh, so I got a promotion um, to treasury services, you know, uh, 
and I relocated, uh, you know, my family and I uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2010. Um, you know, uh, got my banking foundation, foundation working with, uh, you know, uh, large corporate clients, whether it's uh, working with uh, commercial loans, uh, treasury services, uh, deposit accounts, and you know, during my tenure, you know, with the bank, I, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs uh, approaching the bank for, you know, uh, you know, startup loans or, um, you know, loans for, you know, expansion. And, you know, for whatever reason, the bank has its own criteria for in, in lending requirements that they're looking for to uh, approve loans. And a lot of people were, you know, uh, you know, declined and turned out, you know, so, you uh, you know, I said this, this would be a good opportunity to, you know, help the small business community, you know, uh, you know, uh, starting a company that will make it efficient and, and, a, and a pleasant, you know, experience to attain the funding that they need to start, manage or grow their business. So uh, 2015, I, you know, started my own firm, M&A Financing Services, and uh, we work with, you uh, you know, small to medium-sized businesses, uh, you know, revenues up to, uh, you know, 50 million. We also work with uh, the aspiring entrepreneur as well that's looking to, uh, you know, start a business um, as well. So I've uh, been doing that now for about seven years. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've been enjoying ourselves, you know, helping, uh, you know, one client at a time. And uh, it's been a great joy to, you uh, you know, uh, put some people in position to, uh, you know, own their own business and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, have that uh, financial freedom, as well as the flexibility to have time with their family as well. That's important, that, that work-life balance. Yep. Yes, you, you talked a little bit about seeing the opportunity, right, when you were over on the, the corporate side, but what led to you having the desire to go the entrepreneurship route and to actually found your own firm? Honestly, that, that desire goes back all the way back to when I was about maybe 14, 15 years old. It just it's just been a, a, a burning you know, desire for whatever reason. Um, one of my role models was my 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 uncle, um, you know, growing up. I had an uncle that uh, he was an entrepreneur. He uh, he had his own uh, insurance uh, firm. He sold insurance, uh, life insurance. And uh to me, he just had a different lifestyle than, you know, a lot of people that were, you know, from the neighborhood. Um, he went to work in a certain tie. He came home. Uh, you know, he, you know, did a lot of networking and he just seemed like, you know, he loved what he what he was doing. Um, you know, so I, I paid attention and I pay attention to, you know, a, a lot of people that I felt that were you know, successful and, you know, see what they were doing as far as making a living and their lifestyle and, and uh, how they provided for others and helped others. And he was just a great role model for me to, uh, uh, to look at. And, uh, you know, from an early age, you know, I always wanted to take control of my career and, and, and uh, my finances and, you know, start my own business. So, you know, from then on, it's just been a passion and something that I always researched and, you know, learned how to write business plans and, uh, you know, cash flow statements, things of that nature. So I've always been a, a student of entrepreneurship until it was my time uh, to step out there and start my own. 
um, you know, went to uh, Elizabeth City State University where um, I developed my uh, my entrepreneurial skills as well, uh, my presentation skills, PowerPoint presentations, things of that nature. Um, and then I took it a little further and then got my MBA from Cambridge College and, um, you know, just been a student of the game and, and, and uh, you know, just waiting for my time and, just, and, and uh, seize the moment. So, Tori, you and I missed each other at Bank of America. I was out of there by 2000 and you came in in 2008 and they were different companies by that point. But I'm curious, that treasury management group is big. First of all, did you did you work with Reggie Pretty? Did you know? Yeah, I, you know what? He was one of the treasury sales officers. Uh, That's right. When, when I uh, worked there, and uh, I never uh, came in direct contact with with Reggie, but Reggie has a great reputation amongst the bank. Oh for, yes, he does. For being a stellar, you know, professional. Um, but I, I never really interacted with Reggie. Okay. Yeah. So for listeners out there, Reggie Pretty, I think has been with the bank for, I think, 37 or 38 years. And he looks like he's 38. I'm not kidding. He looks like he's about your age, Tori. Um, but Reggie's parents were the first African-American franchisees of McDonald's in North Carolina. So yeah. he comes from a very interesting background, but he is Sterling. But so side note, so anybody listening, look up Reggie Pretty on LinkedIn, connect with him. He's one of the most uh, honorable human beings you'll ever meet. But starting on in the collections department. All right, let's talk about that, because that's a little bit different than helping people find money. You're 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 <laughs> going after the opposite. Right. 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 Hey, sometimes you have to get in any way you can to, to, to uh, get where you want to go. <laughs> well, no, that's that's right. I want to hear about what that experience was like and did it shape or have any influence on the path? Yeah. So you, you took whatever you, you could take. Well, I hear that you're you, you've ever since I've known you, you've never said, oh, I'm above that. You know, you've, you've had a willingness. So I really appreciate that. But are there some lessons learned from that experience of dealing with customers in a a not so pleasant phone call or outreach that has helped shape you or your approach in any way? Absolutely. Uh, Working in collections is very, you know, challenging work. It teaches you perseverance. Uh, you have to you have to be consistent, and you have to be disciplined. Everything that you, uh, all the tools that you need need to become an entrepreneur. Um, because the majority of the time, uh, day in and day out in collections, you're going to hear no. What are you going to do? You know, when when you hear no, are you going to hang up the phone and quit, or are you going to uh, you know, are you going to dial the next number and and, and try it again? So. Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face. But the thing is, how are you going to rebound from it? So uh, collections absolutely uh, shaped and mold, uh, you know, the path that I'm on currently, because, uh, you know, it was some great lessons uh, day in and day out in the, in the collections department. A lot of sometimes you're going to, you know, uh, 
speak with clients that are very pleasant. And then you're going to speak with some clients that are not so pleasant. When you're speaking with clients that are not so pleasant, you have to maintain professionalism and not let them rattle you. You know, so um, same is with, you know, people that we come in contact, you know, in the business communities. Sometimes you may running across people that are professional and some not so much, but uh, you have to maintain uh, your uh uh, in, in integrity and in, in professionalism and, and, and not let them, you know, take you off your game. So um, collections was very pivotal, pivotal of uh, what I'm doing now. So one more thing, and then uh, I know Ben's anxious to ask some more, um, but when you went and you took that role in collections and like, okay, did you see it as an important step towards your end goal of owning your own business or was it like did owning the business dream subside between age 15 and when you ended up doing it yeah it was it was something i it was a role that i took but i was looking more long term it, it was a position that you know i could learn that would get my foot through the door and you know during my time there um you know i was networking you know, uh, throughout the bank, I would go down to the banking centers and and shadow the personal bankers and and, and see how they interacted with the uh, customers in the banking center. Uh, you know, see how they would uh, you know speak with clients in regards to you know small business loans because you know in the banking centers people would approach the personal bankers and and inquire about small business loans. So uh, you know, it, it, I would. You, you know, network throughout the bank and, and, and try to get closer to uh, obtaining the position that I wanted, which was a, you know, a business banker, corporate banker. So, uh, you know, performing at a high level in collections uh, would allow my managers to uh, allow me to, you know, go shadow with uh, those professionals who had positions that I aspire to uh, attain uh, in the future. So absolutely. So <clears throat> Tori, one of the things that I want us to go into a little bit, because you've talked, and this is getting a little bit more tactical than what we've been talking about, but you talk about being able to serve people who don't meet traditional lending requirements, right? And you saw that firsthand when you were at the bank and now you're out there solving that problem. So the first piece of that that I want to ask about is how do you serve them with a, a profitable business plan when traditional banks can't or, or at least don't? Well, a lot of times uh, the clients that I work with, they're, they're bankable, but they just approach, you know, the wrong bank. Um, you know, yeah. So I, I work with a lot of, uh, you know, business bankers. And when clients, you know, approach them about small business loans, they may not meet their bank's uh, lending uh, requirements. But um, at that point, they'll refer them over to me because they know that I have a large network of, of lenders that I work with. So, um, you know, I provide, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, traditional uh, uh, lending options. Um, but studies show that 80 to 90 percent of all, uh, you know, uh, borrowers that, uh, you know, approach banks are declined. 
it's a lot of uh, things that you need to know when you're approaching a bank. You need to know their FICO score requirements. You need to know their area of focus as far as, uh, you know, the, the industry that they like to lend on. Um, so, you know, this is my job day in and day out. So I know who's doing what. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when those bankers refer those clients over to me, um, I take a look at, you know, their their financial situation and I place them with the lender that would be uh, interested in, in financing their small business deal. Yeah. You become the uh, the matchmaker. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and there's a lot of lenders out there that, you know, may not be household names, but they're thriving banks that are interested in uh, financing small business deals. And those are the type of uh, lenders that I work with to yep. assist the uh, small business community. That makes sense. Yeah. Why, why serve that clientele? What about the, the small, medium-sized business owner uh, gives you that passion to go out and, and help them? I just have a passion uh, for, for small business. You know, I know that, uh, you know, in the past, when I was trying to figure out, you know, different business opportunities um, that I wanted to uh, get involved with, uh, the, the the common denominator was, you know, the, the the financing. You know, who would take a chance on me as far as lending me, uh, you know, funding as a startup to start my own business? Um, so it, it it just you know, stems from my personal experience and running into roadblocks as far as, you know, finding uh, the funding that I needed to start my business. So I developed a passion for the small business community um, because of my my own story. And I, I just wanted to make it a little easier for others, um, you know, to help them get the funding. Yeah, that makes sense. So so let's give listeners an idea of what the uh, what the process is. So Gary's trying to get his lemonade stand off the ground. He approaches you. Take us through that process of, of him coming to you to what are those next steps? Okay. So the majority of the time, for whatever reason, a lot of people, they uh, when they think of getting a small business loan, they want to start out with the Bank of America's, the Wells Fargo's. Uh, the PNC banks, truest banks, things of that na- uh, banks of that nature. So generally, say Gary would reach out to a Wells Fargo banker or, or Bank of America banker, and he said, "Well, I want to, you know, uh, start my uh, lemonade stand." Well, the first thing the Bank of America banker is going to say is, "Have you been in business for two years, and do you have at least two hundred and fifty thousand in sales?" Once Gary tells him no, then the banker is not really going to want to speak with Gary any longer on right. uh, regards to the, uh, you know, approving a loan for him. So that banker would then refer Gary over to me and uh, I'll speak with Gary. Uh, you know, Gary's a nice guy. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have a pleasant conversation about the lemonade stand, what type of lemonade he's going to offer, the flavors, things of that nature. Gary's pretty thorough. So he's, I'm sure he's going to have a business plan together, three years projections so uh, I'll take that business plan, those projections, um, the last three years of personal tax returns from Gary, as well as a, a PFS, personal financial statement. And then uh, Gary is, you know, doing pretty well for himself financially. So uh, I will then, you know, package that information up, uh, submit it to a few lenders and uh, get Gary a pre-qualification letter within a few days um, to let him know that there's, you know, a, a few uh, lenders out there that's interested in, in, in financing his startup. So I got to jump in on okay. this one. 
because we're using my name and my lemonade stand. Right. And I have, I have a special ingredient called cayenne pepper that we put in with it. Okay. It can also be used as a cleanse. Okay. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> so anyways, a proprietary blend. I'm excited about it. But, you know, here's the deal. I, like most business owners, know our one thing. So I know my proprietary blend of uh, lemonade and cayenne pepper. A lot of business owners know that the same thing, but yet we see it every day, Tori, every day where their books are a freaking mess. And you'd be surprised at how many big companies and even over 50 million sometimes that their books are a train wreck. How they get a tax return out is mystifying. Right. <laughs> so, so how do you... I'm sure you see this all the time. This is your expertise, but it's most business owners and entrepreneurs, they don't have that expertise. They didn't go to B school. They didn't, you know, major in finance. They didn't work at a big bank or even a small bank. They don't know. And a lot of times they're embarrassed to even say that because it's like, you know, imposter syndrome rages with a lot of these business owners. They don't want to reveal that. And yet they're pretty naked when they're showing financials or they don't know what they're doing. How do you help somebody in that kind of a state? I'm sure you deal with it all the time. I'm curious, like practically, if you uncover this and it's not just like in a be beautiful bow ready to present, how do you help them work through that and not make them feel stupid? Well, I, I think my job is to be uh, resourceful with not just, you know, the lenders or within my network, but just be resourceful and helping the client accomplish their goals. So uh, I do a lot of networking. Um, I meet a lot of professionals. And for instance, if a client comes to me that's, uh, you know, passionate about, say, you know, starting a lemonade stand or what have you. Um, if there, or if it's an existing business, um, that's looking for, you know, funding for expansion and their, uh, financial record keeping is not up to par, then I have, a uh, quite a few, you know, CPAs within my network that I can refer them to, um, you know, for, you know, the CPA to, you know, help them, you know, get their financials, uh, uh you know, up to par. So, um, I see a lot, um, you know, when I'm working with clients, but honestly, they, they really shouldn't feel uh, stupid, as you would say, or, 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 or be ashamed of their, their record keeping, because at the end of the day, they, they're trying and, and, and they're trying to do the best that they can. Um, they're trying to put the, foot, the best foot forward. When you know better, you do better. Um, you know, so my job is to, uh, you know, help them, you know, accomplish their goals. So I have a, a lot of uh, different professionals from various industries within my network that I can refer them to and uh, we, we can help them uh, get those uh, financials corrected. Great response. I love that. Yeah, I mean, any, any, anybody uh, that that's uh, what's what's the saying goes? If you if uh, you, you haven't made a mistake, if you haven't tried anything new, so it, it, you know, 
we're out here trying. We, we don't have the, you know, all the answers. Uh, but the thing is, is to be resourceful and, and, and know where you can go to get those answers and get things, uh, you know, done. So um, that's why I'm here here to, you know, help my clients and whatever it is they, that they may need. Um, a simple introduction can go a long way. So. So along that line, Tori, talk about I mean, you mentioned everybody goes out there and, and makes some sort of mistakes. So not necessarily mistakes, but what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome as you became a founder of a company and, and started running and growing this business? Well, I, I think for me, uh, things happen, you know, when they're supposed to happen. Uh, looking back on the seven years that uh you know, I've been, you know, running my company, things happen in stages, you know, in the beginning, um, I was coming out of uh, Bank of America, and I didn't have a large network of uh, uh, professionals, you know, uh, that I could call on to uh, assist me with, uh, with my business. So I had to first grow my network. Um, I had to meet people like Gary, I had to meet uh, uh, business bankers, CPAs, um, people that will refer me business, um, you know, and, 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 and it's a learning process, uh, you know, throughout the, uh, the, the way. Um, but uh, just enjoying the journey and, 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 and being passionate of, of, about your business. And when you're passionate about your business, you know, the, the, the accolades and, 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 the, and the money and everything else will come. But uh, just not worrying about uh you know, the bottom line in the beginning and just in enjoying my journey and, 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 and enjoying, uh, you know, my work and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you, you mentioned, I was going to ask a different question later, but I'm going to skip it up to here because you mentioned networking. Um, how do you make your business development, your growth as consistent as possible of a process? Because I see I mean, it's very, very obvious that you do a tremendous job networking, building your relationships, things like that. So I'm, I'm sure that that's a big part of trying to make business development more consistent. But what are some things you do inside your company to, to be able to do that? Well, uh, I, I think for me, I, when I first started out, I didn't realize how important follow up was. So I can touch, I, I can touch. I can honestly say I have thousands, thousands of people in my network. And I just assume that, you know, I've, I met them a couple of times and I'm so great that they're just going to remember me, <laughs> yep. you know, <laughs> and that's just not the case. You know, uh, you know, we had to put in a, a follow up system and uh, we had to, you know, follow up with our, uh, the people within our network. Uh, I, I try to do so at least once a week um, because you, you never know. Just last week alone, um, you know, I, I just due to my follow up, uh, you know, my referral sources sent about 10 deals over to me to review. So, uh, you know, just that in going back to your previous question, that probably was one of my mistakes in the beginning was right. uh, just underestimating the power of follow up, you know, one of my bankers was like, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, just call in to, you know, check in to see if you had any declines that I could take a look at for you. Just some, just a simple message is, is that. And, uh, you know, that will jog their memory and be like, yeah, I have a few deals that, uh, you know, where I can't help the client and I need to, you know, place them. And next thing you know, they sent me over 
a few deals and, you know, just imagine doing that for, I have exactly 1700 bankers in my network. So just imagine doing that for each one of them, um, you know, on a consistent basis. So, you know, my, my business is uh, majority referral based. So, uh, you know, that was pivotal for me to understand that the power of a uh, follow-up. Yep. That makes sense. So in, I'm from the, the wealth management space and learned early on, there's a stat that if it's somebody you've never met before, don't really know, takes an average of seven contacts for them to become a client, right? So reaching out to somebody two or three times, you may feel like you did some effort. You're not right. even halfway there. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I learned that and, and that's how I, you know, develop, uh, uh, you know, business, uh, you know, for my firm is just got to uh stay connected with the, with my uh, contacts and, uh, you know, just follow up on a, a consistent basis. Um, so Gary, I want you to, to chime on in on this a little bit also. So Tori, quick side note, every once in a while, I like to put Gary on the spot as well. Um, but Gary, you're one of the best, if not the best networkers that, that most people in Charlotte have ever met. Right. So what are the, right. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, if you if you want to know how to network the right way and authentically, take a look at what Gary's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Gary, what are the things that you would add on on that? Of how do you how do you not only build a network, but how do you maintain it? How do you enrich people's uh, lives? Things like that, right? Because you're I mentioned the word authentic, and that's the way that you approach relationships at an a, an unbelievable level. It's it's real. It's not fake. Um, so, talk a little bit about that because I think you're world class at it. Man, I, I'm I'm almost speechless, which is unusual because I'm humbled by what you said. Um, so relationships really, really, really matter to me because I've been burned and hurt deeply, deeply by trusted relationships in business, quite frankly. And so um, somebody, one of my good friends said, out of your greatest pain often becomes your greatest blessing to somebody else. And I think that's true if you let it and if you're purposeful about it. But I, I have been that piece of meat that somebody chases. And as long as you give them what they want, you're, they're, they're your friend. And then when the well dries up, they're nowhere to be found. And I, right. I just... Yeah. I, I just don't want to ever be known for that. And so as a result, like I hate networking. I hate that term because it feels so transactional. Right. I love connecting. And when Tori, you connected with me first, if I remember, I don't even remember who connected us first. I think it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Brian Red. Brian Red. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He's, he's another one of those really purposeful, intentional uh, commercial bankers with Pinnacle Bank. By the way, he did a great job helping a lot of our clients during PPP when, quite frankly, some of our alma mater, the bigger banks, did not do so well. And, um, you know, the, the machine was just too big. It was getting clogged up and it, they couldn't get out of their own way. So, yeah, I think it was Brian Red. One thing that I learned from um, a friend here in town that's also a very good connector is um, 
to put down, if you, whenever you meet somebody, if somebody's connected, you put in the notes in your phone who connected you that, because a lot of times you can't remember their name, but you can remember that somebody connected you or whatever, or sometimes, you know, just to acknowledge, Hey, thank you for doing that. But I've really tried to make it very clear, like, Hey, you know, what I'm interested in, but I really want to serve somebody. So if I can approach a meeting with open arms and open hands, and if there's a need that I have state it and not put them in, in, in pressure, in a pressure situation where, Hey, I need you to help me find a job. I've been in that position too, too many times. Well, people don't have jobs a lot of times to offer. So if you could just say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for something, I'm not asking you for a job, but can I tell you my story? And if it resonates, would you connect me with somebody where, and I will not embarrass you. Those two things can really like disarm things. And if you really go to connect people and you realize it's so funny, if, first of all, I find everybody's stories fascinating, which is why when Ben came to me with this idea of starting this podcast almost three years ago now, I'm like, yeah, because I love hearing your stories, I think. And people need to hear that those stories. A lot of times, yeah, nothing to take away from Gary V or, you know, Richard Branson, but they are on all the podcasts. Their stories are being told a lot. I don't, I'm not chasing those guys. I want the Tory Woods that have an important message to say. They have things that they've learned along the way that are willing to talk about the, the tough times as well that other people can connect with. So that is my, my biggest thing, like genuinely like be, be honest about like why you're meeting. Um, yeah. And, and do it up front. You know, it's like, if there's something, but don't put somebody in, in a, a sense of burden of, I don't know what to do. The other thing that's really important that I find, and this is a pet peeve of mine, drive-by connections. I call it drive-by connections. Hey, you guys need to meet. Connect on an email. There's no context. They've gotten no permission from either side. And all of a sudden you've got obligation on both sides and you're kind of in this room, like somebody threw us together. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Right. I mean, awkward. Right. I, just show respect and just say, if it, man, if you think somebody should know somebody, would it be okay if I connect you? Let me get permission first, then I'll connect you. That simple courtesy is just amazing. Um, and a lot of people don't do it and it, they don't mean to do it. They don't know that they're putting people there. It's well-intentioned most of the time, but it can be kind of awkward. So, and Brian Red's very good at that. So are you, Tori, of, of not doing drive-by connections, you know, but genuinely connecting people for purpose and you never know where something's going to come from but they have to be aware of you right and if you keep serving like it comes back it just does yeah absolutely so so tori a little bit more on that but the next step over i want us to talk a little bit about your your nonprofit uh board uh, see and things like that, right? Because it's just another example of you being involved in the community and and being a part of other things besides solely the business. So, 
What is Private Directors Association? Let's start there for the listeners that don't know, and then we'll keep going. Well, basically, uh, Private private De- Directors Association is a bunch of uh, small business owners, um, you know, that get together and, and discuss, uh, you know, topics within the, the business community. And, and uh, what they do also is they do a lot of skill building and, and training on how they can, you know, help their members attain uh, board member seats, whether it's in the corporate world or uh, nonprofits. So, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, small business owners that are that are members there. You have uh, corporate executives, uh, you know, small business owners. So it's a variety of professionals within the group. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, you know, help you uh, attain, uh, you know, board seats and uh, they give you the skills to, uh, you know, go out there and uh, attain those, uh, those seats from other organizations. So being, being a business owner, you and having family, right, especially kids are traveling, playing sports all over the place, you have a limited amount of time. So why, why join uh, their board? Why be a part of this when it's another commitment on top of business and family and things like that? Talk a little bit more there. Well, I guess it's, it's, it's all about, you know, where I see myself in the future. Um, you know, uh, you know, being a part of, uh, you know, boards, whether it's in uh, a corporation or a nonprofit, you can really help uh, you know, steer a company in the in the right direction um, when you are a part of their board. So uh, it just you know something that uh, is a goal of mine to you know have a few board seats uh, you know in the future. And uh, you know I just you know joined the organization to to get the, that skill set and uh, and uh, just know what it takes to uh, you know uh, maintain a, a board seat. So when I'm ready, I can go out there and get it. I love one of the themes of your career so far. If anybody's been paying attention is you have kind of a, an end goal, you have a destination and you're willing to take the necessary small steps versus quantum leaps to reach that destination. And you seem to be pretty flexible along that journey because it's not a linear path ever. But I love the fact that you've been determined, consistent. You said, you know, you had a, a, a quote early on um, where you were talking about perseverance and being consistent. That was important in the collections world, but it also applies to entrepreneurship. It, it applies to life, quite frankly, but because very few people are persistent and consistent but the ones that are successful that seems to be a pretty common theme that we've seen throughout all of our interactions ben wouldn't you say yeah yeah no absolutely so i you know kudos to you tori i I love you know I, i think you're setting a really good example for your boys you you said early on how you love to um you know one of your hobbies is actually my words, not yours, kind of lifting other people up and supporting them. And, um, and I think you're doing a great job 
for your sons to understand, like, you know, we don't, we don't win um, the world uh, series um, going from peewee baseball to world series. We take steps. You don't make it to the MLS by, you know, peewee soccer. And then all of a sudden you're in the MLS cup, you know, no. (laughs) A A lot of baby steps, a lot of base hits, you know, um, it's a process. So, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn it before you can earn it. So, uh, with that, it is a process and it's, it's a lot of things that, uh, that, uh, that comes with that. And, uh, you, you just gotta have a never give up attitude. Those are the ones that are uh, the most successful in this country. Cause we know if you, if you don't give up, you have a chance, but if you give up, you, you know, you don't have a shot. So, um, my thing is uh, stay consistent, uh, persistent, and uh, you're not going to accomplish your goals if you have a give up attitude. So I'm never going to give up until I accomplish what I set out to accomplish. So I'm going to ask you one thing, and and uh, this this could be awkward, so brace yourself. And if we have to edit it, we will. The <laughs> <laughs> good preface, but. Um, <laughs> You know, like I said, life is not a linear path. It's got all kinds of, we planned, God laughed, and there's all kinds of squiggles in in between, you know, in this crazy journey that we're on. But when you think back to some of your goals and what you imagined it would be like, et cetera, talk to me about one of the most disappointing times where you where it challenged your ability or challenged your resolve to get up and keep going. If, if you ever experienced that, some people don't, most people, many people do, but I'm just curious, has there been anything along the journey that made, that really tested that notion of you got to just keep going? I think for me early on uh, when I made the transition to college, you know, when I was a kid, school just wasn't a priority for me. I, I just, I just wasn't interested in, in, in school. I was a, I was a student. I was a smart kid, but I was a kid that was uh, content with just getting by. So my grades were okay. Um, but uh, after I graduated, I, I, I wanted to prove to myself that, uh, you know, I could be a good student. And uh, so I, you know, forget about what, you know, people said about me. It was all about what I thought about, you know, for myself and where I saw myself going uh, in the future. And uh, I had to make that mental uh, transition to see myself as a college kid. Um, So I started out in, you know, community college and that's why to this day, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for community college. Sometimes I talk to young people and, you know, uh, I'll say, so, uh, you know, what you going to do when you graduate, uh, you know, high school? And they'll kind of put their head down and say, well, I'm going to community college. And I'm, I'll tell them, I was like, raise your head high. I was like, community college is a great thing. It gave me the confidence that I needed to, uh, you know, transition and transfer to uh, a four-year university. So community college was everything to me as far as confidence in my academic ability. 
Um, so once I made that mental, you know, transition and, 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 uh, you know, you know, making the dean's list and 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 uh, and, and things of that nature. Um, my my college career is probably one of the most challenging things that I've had to do because, frankly, I, I never really seen myself as a college student when I was when I was younger. Uh, but once I made that transition, I was like, "Wow, I did that!" Um, you know, so uh, that was one of, probably one of the most uh, mentally challenging things that um, I endured. And, you know, once I accomplished that and, you know, got my MBA, I said to myself, sky's the limit. I can do anything that, you know, I, I put my mind to. And that sounds cliche, but you really have to believe that. You, you, some people, a lot of people don't believe that they can, you know, do whatever they put their minds to. And uh, at, at, at one point in time in my life, I didn't believe that for myself, but, uh, you know, it came. So, uh, you know, just going through college, uh, that was, that, that's one thing that I can, uh, you know, remember the business thing, M&A financing services. When I started that I, my confidence was just so much through the roof. I felt that, you know, if I put the time into it, it's going to work. It's not, you know, if it's when, you know, so, um, yeah. So to go from so, thinking you're you're not like viewing yourself as not a college student and then going on to get your master's, that's a very big difference. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It is. Uh, sometimes I look back and I say, "Wow, uh, you know, I've come a long way." Um, but it, it that that just goes to show the power of your of, of your of of your thinking. Um, if you, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. And, uh, it's all about what you think about yourself. I, I don't care what anybody thinks about you, what they say about you. It's, it's all within. If you feel like you can do it and you're willing to do whatever it takes to do it, then you'll accomplish your goals. So that's what I tell, you know, the, the kids I used to mentor, uh, you know, when I, you know, uh, graduated college, Fresh out of college, I used to mentor kids and I tell them the same thing. You know, I, I, I saw myself in them. I was like, hey, you can do whatever you want to do in life. You just got to you just got to put the work in. So you, you said the operative term and it's very cliche in some cases, but it's so powerful and it is about mindset. Mm -hmm. So you adopted a can do mindset it's kind of manifested itself in a number of ways in your career journey. What are some things that you like to do to help kind of keep fostering that because consistency and perseverance has to be maintained in that too. I'm just curious, are there practices or things that you found that have been helpful for you to maintain this through the roof sky's limit mindset that kind of bubbles out of you, quite frankly. Yeah, it, it, you know, uh, Proverbs 13 and 20 says, if you walk with the wise, then you become wise. So it, it, it's all about, you know, you, you got to surround yourself with, uh, you know, uh, good, uh, intelligent people, ambitious people, uh, uh, disciplined people. Um, I have a great support system within my wife. 
Um, I have great kids. Um, and it's also about what you feed your soul. You know, I, you know, uh, I'm always reading uh, motivational quotes. You know, I, we, we, we are involved in, uh, you know, getting more involved in the church and, and uh, the literature that we, we read and we feed our souls with. Uh, you know, so it, it's all about um, what you surround yourself with, uh, what you feed your soul with, what you read. Um, so it's a, it's a combination of all of that to, to make sure that uh, I maintain a certain, uh, you know, standard for myself. Hey, being associated with professionals such as you, you know, you're, you're, you're very motivated, you know, you're within my circle. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it's all about uh, who you associate with and who you're around. So, Tori, as, as we get towards the end here, I've got a couple other questions more on your personal side of approaching business and life uh, than anything else. So I think that's probably a good place for us to, to be able to steer towards as the, at the, we uh, as we get to the end. But one of them is what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned along your journey, whether it's entrepreneurship journey on the corporate side, college, the whole mix of it? What are some of those big lessons that, that you kind of live by or take away from? Don't listen to people. <laughs> Do not listen because people will people mean well, but they will give you they will project their own fears on you. And when you say something like I want to start a financial firm and, 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 and help, uh, you know, the small business community, if their mindset is not there then they're going to project their fears on you and say, you can't do that. That's impossible. Or, you know, how are you going to do that? Or are you crazy? Like, do you know what you're you set out to do with so many uh, financial firms here in Charlotte? You know, it's the second, you know, financial hub in the country. And you're going to start a, a financial firm here in Charlotte, you know. So don't listen to people. Um, listen to your heart. Follow your heart. That's always going to steer you right. And uh, have supreme confidence in yourself. That is, that is good words to live by. Yeah. I yeah. Like Cause it. I mean, you, you never, you never know what God is calling you to do. You know, only, only God and, and yourself know, you know, what's in your future. And sometimes a lot of people, most people are not going to understand, you know, that, that, that calling or that vision that he has for you. So, yes. you know, you said something there that just struck a chord with me, you know, um, <laughs> Charlotte, North Carolina people is the second largest banking center in the country next to New York, at, at least That's when right. I was at Bank of America. And I think it's still true. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it's a wash with banks. I'm like, holy <laughs> moly, where are these guys coming from? And then they get bought. It's just an interesting little incubator. But you, if you just looked at the landscape and said, Market saturation, are you kidding? Don't even think about starting a financial. What makes you different, Tori, right? Right. I mean, in the natural, that would, would seem, yeah, like, you know, go to a pond that is not so heavily fished. But at the same time, you found a niche, which a lot of these banks have to say no. Exactly. So and I, so you I found to, a way to find, hey, 
these people still need somebody to be able to say yes, and they just don't know where to go. Right. So I so I, I partner I partner with them instead of trying to compete with them. I, I can't compete with the Bank of Americas and the Wells Fargo's, but I can support them and and, and partner with them. So you know, uh, a lot of bankers they really care about you know helping you know small business owners. So when that dreadful day comes where they have to say, well, you know, you didn't meet the criteria, the requirements, or we're not able to assist you with approving your loan, they want to find somewhere for them to go. They want to help them, you know, find a place where they can go to uh, assist them with their loan requests. And, you know, that place is M&A Financing Services. So, uh, you know, I can't compete with them. I just want to work with them. (laughs) You don't need to compete with them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the last thing that I'm, I'm curious about for today anyway, and, and Gary may have a couple of final ones also, is we've talked about time commitment a few different times here, right? And prioritizing what's most important and talked about your family a bit. So, and then early on at the start, you mentioned work-life balance. So talk to us a little bit about how do you prioritize and protect the things in your life that are most important to you? Well, it, it, it's easy to uh, prioritize my, my family, uh, you know, my, my time of, of worship, because those are just the, the, the priorities of my life and um, I just can't neglect them. Um, I grew up without a father, um, you know, so I said, I knew early on as a teenager that I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have a family and uh, I wanted to be, you know, the guy that, you know, uh, attended my son's little league games or, soccer matches or, uh, you know, go with my wife to her banquets for a job. You know, those things are important to me because, you know, frankly, I grew up without them. Um, So, you know, they say your childhood, you know, shapes and molds who you become as an adult. And it's a lot of things, you know, from my childhood that happened to me that, uh, you know, uh, makes me passionate about you know, things, you know, as an adult. So um, trying to, you know, be a good person and and, and, and becoming closer to God and, and a, a great uh, uh, husband, um, you know, being a, a great father, you know, not perfect. Nobody is, but, you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress and I try to, you know, and improve on those things, uh, you know, daily, but, you know, I'm never going to neglect you know, what's in, in, important to me. Um, my, my, plan, my pain is, is, is my family's pleasure. You know, we, we go through things ourselves, so our loved ones won't have to. And, uh, you know, I said that I'm going to do everything I possibly can um, to be a, a great husband and, and, and father. And uh, it's been a joy in, in doing so. I've been blessed with some, some great kids, an awesome wife, and sometimes it's, it's so good. I, I just don't, you know, I, I, I wonder what did I do to deserve all of this that, you know, God has blessed me with, but uh, I'll take it <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I'm going to enjoy it. That's, that's an amazing answer. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that, that is the, uh, that's the hallmark answer right there to, the out of our greatest pain becomes our greatest blessing to somebody else. You just, you just put an accentuation 
on that statement. Um, I love that. Uh, you, you've taken pain and transformed it in something to benefit somebody else. So um, very powerful. So anybody that's listened to the end of this podcast, there's your biggest golden nugget right there. <laughs> you could take that to the bank or you can go and invest it with Ben. <laughs> so. right. exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, some, some people, you, I mean, you can go a, a couple of different ways. You could, you know, uh, turn that pain into a positive or you could succumb to that pain and, and inflict it on others. And, you know, I wouldn't suggest the latter, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, want to, you know, take that and, you know, help others and just take my passions and just, you know, uh, just be a resource for others, you know, helping others. That's what, that's what I want my legacy to be, you know, a great family man and someone that, you know, helped others. So. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, Tori, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and, and going as, as deep as you have. This has been a ton of fun. I appreciate you being on here. Where where do you want uh, people to find you, connect with you, check out your company, anything like that? Absolutely. So uh, my, my website is www.mafinancingservices.com. You can also uh, look me up on uh, LinkedIn, uh, keyword search, Tori Wood. Um, take a look at some of the uh, deals that... Uh, you know, I've worked and closed on in the area. You, you'd be uh, pleasantly surprised that, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, businesses that are, has a storefront and have a, a presence here in Charlotte because of M&A Financing Services as well. You can do a, a Google search, M&A Financing Services, uh, LLC, and, you know, check out some of our reviews. We have some awesome reviews from, uh, you know, some clients that we've helped. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, look us up. Okay. <laughs>